Welcome to Flip Your Lid with Kim Honeycutt. Kim is a psychotherapist and executive director of ICU Talks, a mental health speaking ministry. This is a podcast about how to flip your lid and learning how to reconnect to who you really are. Well, hello, everyone. Today, you're in for a special treat because we're going to flip the script on Flip Your Lid. And I, Larissa, am going to interview Kim Honeycutt, the amazing Kim Honeycutt. That's right. And not only are you going to be the interviewer today, and I'm the interviewee, you're normally behind the camera because mm-hmm. you're video producer, director. Yep. And normally you're the person that comes behind this and makes all this go on social media for us. Yeah. But in case people are wondering who you are, is that you're actually my wife. Yeah, we are married. You are Larissa Miller Honeycutt. <laughs> yeah. And I'm Kim Miller Honeycutt. That's right. Yeah. And so if anybody has issue with that, this is a good time for them to turn off (laughs) the podcast. This is when we say, be blocked and be blessed. Be blocked and be blessed, my people. (laughs) But if you're hanging out and you want to stay on this, then my wife wants to interview me. And so again, we are flipping the script on Flip Your Lid. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to start it like you normally do. All right, Kim, tell me what flipped your lid. So even though I know that's the only question that's predetermined, it's still such a amazing question if, if as I feel it like coming to my system because actually what's interesting for me the past few years been so different since you and I started dating and now we're married and so what turns out it's not being with you to flip my lid it's been in 20 years trying to not be who I was mm. right to flip my lid it's 20 years of being in the church and trying to be who people decide I should be and doing everything I could to adapt and to just serve God and believe in the lie. The only way to truly serve him was to be asexual, to not be in a relationship and to just, I denied who I was so much. I I believed it. Yeah. I believed I was straight. Hmm. And I, and so that is what, to me, being gay is I'm going to flip my lid, right? It's me trying to not be gay. Right. That's the sin for me is I tried for 20 years to not be who I've called to be. And so what's reconnecting me to God is being in this amazing relationship with you and learning more about who I am. I have I, I know this, I know this is interesting or strange, but, you know, I've talked to people a lot and I post a lot about the symptoms and signs that you're not in trauma state. And so for me, this is the first year that I'm seeing Christmas lights and noticing them and thinking that they're warm and fuzzy. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've never given a flying beep beep <laughs> about it because I've been in a trauma haze. I've been more in a trauma haze than I knew. Oh, and be, interesting. Yeah. And being with you has helped me to be more awake. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah. And I can relate to a lot of what you just said, but this is your interview. So. That's exactly right. It's my interview. <laughs> so we'll continue here. <laughs> All right. So, um, you talk a lot about attachment styles. And I know you and I personally talk a lot about attachment styles because it comes into play right. within our relationship, within our marriage, and yeah. with every relationship. Every relationship, that's right. So how have you seen it personally play out for you? Yeah, I, I love knowing about attachment styles. And I love that before I even met you, you'd already studied it. So but just know attachment styles are on the spectrum, which means that, or are a spectrum that you don't have the same attachment with, the, with each person. And so I come from a background of disorganized attachment as adults got unresolved, and that's like the worst attachment you can have. I now have secure 
unresolved because I've worked on it. Mm-hmm. And I've worked really hard to stay in a state of intervagal, stay in the place of connection. And that is why you and I have, we have little hiccups and we repair so quickly. It's so beautiful. And then we have the big things on the outside of people trying to tell us that we have ruined God's image. <laughs> <laughs> ruined marriage. Yeah, yeah we've yeah. we ruined God's image of marriage that quickly. That's all it took, honey. That's all it took was one wedding in Key West and it's blown. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what people have said to us. And you talk, you kind of mentioned it there a minute ago about rupture and repair. Yes. And I didn't really have language for what that was before um, being in relationship with you. Yeah. But you've taught me that. And it it's so vital, I think, to our relationship and the health of our relationship. Mm-hmm. So can you explain what do you mean by rupture and repair? Yeah, it's a great question. So rupture is anything that comes in that causes a disconnection. And so... Like, I love Julie and John Gottman. They're doctors. They've done a beautiful job of of turning marriage into a science. And so one thing they talk about a lot is bids for a connection. And we all give each other bids for a connection. And, like, if you were on your laptop editing a video, whatever, all the amazing stuff that you do, and I walked in the room and you didn't look up, I would quickly fall into Dorsal Vega, which is a place of shutdown, because I was – Eye contact would be is looking at you as a bit for a connection. You not looking up. What you're doing is so important, so I'll take it. Because mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm unimportant to you. And then I'm going to drop out of a place of connection, right? So if I don't bring that to your attention, we get a little bit more separation, but I never brought voice to it. Right. And then people end up fighting about nothing because they've had a plethora of ruptures because there was a bit for connection that was not caught. And then they don't know what they're fighting about. They're really fighting about nothing because now they're so separate from each other and separate from self that they they don't they can't get grounded and they don't have words for it and they mm-hmm. can't explain it. So it's like all the small things yes. add up to really big big, big things, big reactions. Yes, uh, to the small things. Right, and that's that right? why people fight about nothing. And so, eighty six percent bids for a connection being caught is a solid marriage. Marriages only catch 33% of them end up in divorce mm. or they're divorced in the marriage. They're living separately. They're living separately. They're separated, but they're still married. There's no relationship within the marriage. And so you and I work really hard to have a relationship. And so we have, we can have big ruptures because we've had to leave a church. We've had to tell family stuff. Yeah, we've yeah. had to tell everybody <laughs> like, Hey, this is what's <laughs> happening. And that life just changed. And, and, Without the strength of, of God, mm-hmm. like we stand on truth. Mm-hmm. And also because every rupture, I don't think we've not talked about yeah, any rupture. We communicate. And, and we do a Friday check-in. Yeah, we do a Friday night check-in. For, we do a Friday night check-in of what were the moments you felt connected to me, what happened was disconnected, so that we learn each other's internal maps really mm-hmm. well. And so that instead of me reading your mind, I'm actually knowing your system. I'm knowing your body. I'm knowing your map. Instead of me thinking that you should be reading my mind and knowing what I'm going through, you actually know my internal map and I will bring voice to it if you miss something. Yeah, and I do the same. Oh, you very much. <laughs> you very much tell me when I mess I up. I get 100 on that. You get 100 <laughs> on that. You are a straight A student when it comes to you verbalizing. And healthy people verbalize. Yeah. And they do it in a healthy way. You mm. don't just like sort of throwing things at no, me. No, right? no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> and, okay, so that brings to mind a the little bird bid for connection. Yes. Do you want to tell that example. story? So I want y'all to know I don't like birds. They look at me really funny. 
And I just don't find pleasure in them. And maybe now that I'm in love, maybe I will. But in general, I don't, I'm not a bird person. And so one day we pulled up to your house and this is before we were married, before we were living together and pulled up to your house. And, um, you said there was a, well, there's two stories. There's a tree story and then there's a bird story. Yeah. I guess the other one. Okay. All right. Well, okay. I, got to, I got to tell the tree story okay, first. Okay. okay. Put up to your house and there was a tree or a plant or something. And you said, Oh, we can take that plant with us to the new house. And I feel like I fell asleep. Yeah. Like comically. She was trying comically. to be funny. Yeah. I do it with my friends all the time. And it works for them mm-hmm. because they're in a friend status. Right. See, this is new after 20 <laughs> years of being single that I'm in a significant relationship. And so when I did that to you, I did not catch a bid for a connection. And you told me very quickly. Yes, I did not did. find that funny. You did not <laughs> find it funny. And I was like, well, I'm just not much of a nature person. Like when it comes to like flowers and birds and stuff. And I get, there's other stuff in nature, like the sun. Uh, okay, whatever. Listen, I'm not a nature person. All right, I have a lot of allergies, and so I'm not a nature person. So that was you expressing clearly. I missed a bit for connection. I apologize. We we ruptured, repaired quickly. Yeah. And then a week or two later, we're at Dr. Lucretia Berry's house and mm-hmm. Nate Berry's house. Love them, good yeah. friends, right? And there's a and we were telling to them about there was a bird, right? That you saw a bird, and you yeah. said, "Look at that." I remember this. We were telling them about this. Right. Look at that bird. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's beautiful. And it's got <laughs> feathers and it's red. And I had an overreaction trying to correct. Yeah. That I yeah. I was me. like, oh, look, <laughs> it's a bird. <laughs> Which I just thought it was funny. And I, I was, it was like, funny. I appreciated the. It was an attempt. The attempt. It was yeah. not the balance you were looking for. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. It didn't feel super authentic. But no, it was not. Note. But I tried. You took notes. I tried. I appreciate that. Yes. So um, now that we're talking about marriage, you talked about this a little bit earlier, but you were single for a long time. Two decades. So what has it been like to go from completely single to married in such a short amount of time? It's been amazing. And maybe because I have that, because I'm an alcoholic and I have the alcoholic mentality that I have that all or nothing. You don't have to be an alcoholic to have all or nothing mentality, but I am very extreme. It was, it's so right with you. And I spent 20 years single and really, really okay being single. Mm-hmm. But once I caught feelings for you <laughs> and I could not deny how I felt towards you, then it's just been, it's been beautiful. And it, it's so beautiful that it makes me almost want to like birds. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's saying a lot. It is saying a lot, honey. <laughs> All right. So you talk a lot about regulating, self-regulating and co-regulating. Mm-hmm. How have you seen that play out differently now that you're married? It's funny you ask that because the, the best example is about co-regulation, right? Because I still, some people don't believe that you can self-regulate, but I think that I can, right? I think people can in general. But so yesterday you and I went to this amazing place uptown to eat yeah we'd finished eating great place really healthy place and we were leaving and so these three people were standing pretty much like standing in a hallway yeah so like they're completely blocking me build leave but they don't know that right they don't know they're my way so i simply said hey i'm gonna cut through here which means like move i can't <laughs> i can't get by right and so we left and you were laughing i was like what is it honey 
And you said, she said, you realize what you just said? I'm like, yeah, I just said I'm going to cut through here. She's like, you just looked at a stranger and said, I'm going to cut through here. <laughs> and so just saying, excuse me. Right. And she's like, that was the most Enneagram 8 way, way of saying, excuse me. <laughs> Yeah, Ever, so right? Right, right. It was so aggressive. And to me, it's not. So without this relationship, I wouldn't have ever questioned that. I wouldn't have thought about it again. And now I'm going to think, oh, I can hear how that may land on somebody who doesn't look through life through the lenses I do, who's not in an aggressive stance. Mm-hmm. So that helped me tremendously because that was actually, to me, a co-regulation of an experience. So I do it. I need to teach for a second. Okay, so, t- teach us. So part of why we have to help someone help us regulate is as kids, the purpose of having a parent is they help you regulate an experience, regulate a life experience. And that helps you go from a place of sympathetic, go from a place of trauma into go back into parasympathetic, go back into ventral vagal or being connected. So you get to have your emotion, have an experience. Someone helps you regulate that. And it gets you to a point you can regulate it yourself. It makes you have self-awareness. But I don't have any awareness of how I came across to that, those people. Yeah. <laughs> and it was really comical in the it moment. Like, really I thought funny. it was so funny. It was really funny. Because her reaction it yeah. what, was like, this lady just came up to me and said, I'm going to cut. Right. <laughs> right. I saw the look on her face, but I thought I didn't think anything of it, right? Because she moved. That's all that matters. She moved. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I well, another thing people talk about is can you heal from trauma? without being in a relationship. And I've always thought, yes. And I still think, yes, because I healed a lot. Being with you, being in a significant relationship, a beautiful marriage, it has brought to light things I was hiding from I didn't know I was hiding from. Mm. Right? It has allowed me to work through my trauma in a different way. And it's even as simple as not knowing that I'm going to cut through here is an aggressive way of saying, excuse me. <laughs> right? Yeah. I didn't know that. And then we played around and you were telling me how an Enneagram 4. Because I'm a 4. Right, right. And you would have said, excuse me, (laughs) if I put glitter on you and if I throw a shawl of love around your neck, would you mind moving to the right? (laughs) Right. Right? So it would be such a different thing for for you. But my thing was, you're in my way, just move. And so to me, the nice way of saying it was, I'm going to cut through here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's just different lenses. And that's part of why we personalize so much. With other people, we don't realize people have different lenses and they hear and see things differently. This is a good bridge into, I was, I wanted to ask you what it's like being an eight. It's amazing. Married. (laughs) (laughs) Right. According to Kim, eight is the best number. Eight is great. God made it so it rhymed. Eight is great. But what's it like being an eight married to a four? So this is this is intriguing to me. Okay. Because you are doing me pressed. I am mm-hmm. feeling me pressed. Mm-hmm. So doing me pressed for a four generally means that you have a hard time doing things that have no meaning to them. Yeah, I don't want to do. You don't want to do yeah. the dishes because yeah. it doesn't have value or meaning to you. Right. Because you're incredibly organized. You get so much done. You would not be a producer in all the success you've had if you weren't organized. Right. right? You can do things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean that when you're a four. It means you don't do what doesn't have meaning to you. The mundane things. Mundane things. Yeah. So I can do dishes in a heartbeat. It calms my system down to see them done. You and I work out great with that. Yeah. So you're doing me press. I'm feeling pressed. I feel like we've swapped roles <laughs> <laughs> because I have felt so much yeah. this past year. And I feel like I can't say anymore. I'm feeling me pressed, but I want to because it's a badge of honor to me. 
Right, but the purpose of the Enneagram is to bring up your repressed centers, right? Yes, but I didn't know the purpose of marriage <laughs> was to bring up your repressed centers. Because you do things that I know, like you had to call AAA. That's not like on the list of fun things. Right, yeah, right? yeah. And you did it in a heartbeat, you took care of it, got taken care of before I could even get through a session. You were, yeah, you yeah. took care of all of it, right? So I have more feelings now than ever. And so I'm no longer feeling depressed. I'm kind of mad about that. <laughs> I have feelings, but the fact that I have feelings, which sounds like a four. Right. I've become you, honey. Aww. Oh, it's a step up. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> All right. Anything else on, on being married to a four or just, do you feel like you can be your full eightness in yes. our relationship? I don't know how not to be fully an eight. Which is probably one of the best characteristics of an eight is you're right. going to get right. the real deal. I think it's the best number. I just, I just love, <laughs> I want to love myself. I love being an eight. I don't want to hurt people. I've had to learn mm-hmm. that things land differently on people. And, you know, even if I wasn't an eight, if people knew how I grew up and how my mom still to this day talks to me, Mm-hmm. And I find it humorous. Other people would be in a fetal position mm-hmm. over it. And it's very comical. Like it's truly, it's not, it's not a ruse. It's not, it's not a denial system. It's truly comical to me. Yeah. They're like, hey mom, can you pray for our marriage? I really don't have time, Kim. Like, <laughs> it's she's just, so honest. She's so honest. And so, <laughs> and so I'm honest. And so I don't realize my honesty can come across in a way that's a barrier. Right. Right. So I've had to learn that because I'm a connector. I love people. I love connecting Mm -hmm. and being with you and you seeing all your colors and seeing that you like emotions has been freeing for me. I just want to say it out loud, but it has been. Oh, well, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So if someone doesn't know about the Enneagram right now and they're like, what does this say? What is this Mm -hmm. for? What would you say to them or how would you introduce them to the Enneagram? I would tell you first, don't believe the lies of people telling you it's witchcraft or that it's not from God. It is spiritual, it's spiritual roots. It's been around for a very long time. And what I love the best about it is that it teaches you what motivates your behavior, the motivation behind your behavior, and it teaches you your greatest fear. Your greatest fear is what keeps you in relationship with God. Mm. So people who so quickly are against it, and they can do that, right? Everyone's got a right to do it. But when you do that so quickly, and to me, the pleasure of it, the joy of it, is that I can learn what causes me to keep God as a distance. And if I'm doing it to God, I'm doing it to you, and I'm doing it to myself. Mm. And it opens that door. I would highly recommend people read The Road Back to You. Please don't take the personality the test, because it's not a personality test. Any of them, it's not about your personality. It's really about learning what a personality is. Yeah, it's about your motivation that's right. not your behavior right? that's right personality is what you do so that people can't hurt you mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean that it's authentic mm, yeah that's good okay and so um but this kind of relates i think to what you were just saying about being re- repressed yeah feeling repressed but you don't feel feeling repressed anymore do you feel or think that marriage has changed you in other ways and if so how so so, you know, I love what I do for a living. I love being a trauma recovery consultant slash psychotherapist. And it really has brought more experience behind the theories that I know. Like we talked earlier about Gottman. Mm-hmm. Um, Esther Perel does an excellent job teaching about marriages as well. And so it's really helped me to 
really understand emotions for people. Part of why I'm really good at what I do for a living is I don't feel things. And so when someone shares something with me, it's very heavy. I very rarely feel it. I don't carry it for them. I believe it's their, it's their thing and I can walk beside them. But if I'm going to connect to them, I can't make it about me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm still doing, I still do that well, but it's definitely changed in the sense of I have more experience behind what I'm saying now and how I'm guiding people. Okay. And what's been the biggest surprise for you? Maybe just this year, this whole year, what's been the biggest surprise for you? Cause it's been a whirlwind. It, it has honey. I think that one, I'm surprised that such a beautiful, amazing creative woman is willing to spend her life with me. <laughs> so that's shocking and surprising. And I'm also surprised that the people who are supporting me is surprising, right? Like, okay. And the people who, who are unable to support me is surprising as well. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. of it's true. Yeah. I can feel that very deeply myself. Well, you're a four. <laughs> I feel everything deeply. You feel everything deeply, but also you're in this with me and you're seeing the what's happening in um, us. We've had to change churches. We've had to mm-hmm. change a lot of things change and jobs. Yeah. You had, me. you had to leave your organization where you were and you did that before yeah. we got yeah. married. That was until we knew that so that they wouldn't have control over you anymore. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it is, it is difficult to know that people have always been there for always now can't be there for me. Right. Yeah. But I'm going to still be there for me and you, of course, baby. You'll yeah, be, you'll be there for me. And I'll be there for you. Yeah, and you yeah. you are such a people person and a people. social person. Yeah, and so with the Enneagram, there's subtypes. Right, and you're a social eight. I'm a social eight. So you get your, I guess, your sense of safety from the group. Yes. yes. Is that? Am I saying that right? Yes. Um, so I I think that probably hits even harder. Yeah. For you. Yeah. Um, well, even using the word safety because it's really about being safe in connection. Mm-hmm. And that's vital for people. And we learn safety and disconnection. And to learn what truly means to be safe in connection. And knowing that people are sitting in a church and you're only going to be there and really be in relationship with the Lord and people around you if you're allowed to be yourself mm-hmm. and you're allowed to connect. And knowing there are people who aren't allowed to do that. And now we're in that category. Yeah. Like we're not we're not welcome in most churches in, in the area. Right. Well, in, across the world, right? But in <laughs> yeah. Charlotte, there's five hundred churches. There's five of them that I know of that we're allowed to go and we can participate. Mm-hmm. And let me say this, let me segue. So when I got sober, one of the things they told me in a twelve step program was that getting sober is not a spectator sport. That you were not a spectator when you were drinking. You cannot be a spectator in your recovery. You have to be active. And that's vital information and true because that, that activity and being involved and getting in the middle of the bed of a 12 step program meant that if I fell to the left or the right, someone would catch me. Right. Mm. And so now to be told by the church, some of them say you can't walk in the door. Some say you can, but you can't participate, but people don't get active. They don't get in a relationship unless they're, you can't be inactive in a relationship. There are a thousand women listening right now to this who are upset because their husbands are in, inactive in the relationship. Right. But they're telling us, and I, I'm sorry, I gender scripted on that. It could go both ways with that. But they're telling us, you can be here. You just can't participate. You have to be inactive in the most vital relationship you'll ever have with God and with the church. 
you have to be inactive because you're no longer worthy to be a part of us anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because when we moved in our new house, we got a lot of, you know, come join us at this church. Everyone's yes. welcome. You're all yes. welcome. Yeah. And we both were like, well, yeah, yeah, no, we're not. Probably not. We're not. <laughs> right. And so the churches that say all are welcome, I, I want to call them and say define welcome and define all. Yeah. Because... You, you, it might be a church that welcomes me to sit, but you can't participate. And again, how many people, how many times do you hear from the state, the pastor say, you've got to get active. We need volunteers. If you want to be in this, you've got to yeah, participate. Well, they tell us we are not allowed. Mm-hmm. We can't participate because now they're taking the thing that happened. They're taking the very, very belief and emotion that the enemy used in Garden of Eden, the very same one. And putting on us and shaming us and telling them we're not good enough, right? Shame says you're unworthy. Yeah. You're not good enough. You don't, that we're unworthy of being in relationship with the Lord and in relationship with the church. And they're calling it holy. Mm. Yeah. But I don't. Right. Yeah. And you don't. I don't either. Yeah. Because we, you and I both, like we, we listen to Christian music, we're reading our Bible all the mm-hmm. time, we pray together all the time. Like yeah. we're so into this. But our Christianity is questioned in that, you know, we're talking about my friend's husband who goes to Mass every week and has never changed. His behavior has never changed. He still drinks the same. He still controls people the same. Nothing's changed in relationship with the Lord. But no one would ever question his Christianity. Right, exactly. Right, yeah, ever. Yeah. But ours gets questioned every day. Because he fits the He fits the mold. The, the mold. Of, That's yeah. right. Yeah. And talking um, just in the metaphor of the table. Yes. I and mean, I've heard you say before that's like you can come to the table, but you can't talk or you right. can come to the table, you can't but you eat. Can't, yeah. yeah kind of thing and I, I just love romans 14 especially the message version it talks so clearly about who are you to tell someone because they're vegan that they're wrong right i'm sure it says vegetarian in message version but yeah it says who, who are you to say that and then if you if god is so big let god help them who do you think you are they think you can say something and so we've learned that people say there's an open table at their church and it turns out there it's not right it's not yeah, it's been it's been painful. It's been painful. It has. Yeah. It's just it's very disappointing. It's the same thing with racism that because of how I look, I'm not going to experience racism. But so I can't decide what the answer to racism is. I I I've gone to brownicity. I've asked questions. I've asked my friends who are black, "What's it like for you?" And I listen to them. And they are they they have they hold the solution, and and what we're experiencing is people are not coming to us asking, them, hey, what's the solution for this? They're just telling us that we're the problem, and they come up with a solution, right? Right? Yeah. And so that's very disturbing. Yeah, and that doesn't work in any relationship. No relationship. Do you go in? I would never tell someone, hey, go date that guy over there. You can change him. Right. That'll right. work out great <laughs> for you. I would never tell someone that. Yeah. So kind of back to just um, the marriage part of our conversation. What, now going through it yourself, what advice would you give to all the other married peeps out there? I don't think I'd give them any advice <laughs> at all. Really? I would not, but I would share my spirit strength and the hope I have in God okay. about this. I don't know if, it almost feels narcissistic okay. to give advice because I'm, I'm a neophyte. A neophyte? This, yeah, I'm a newcomer. Oh, okay. okay in all okay, this, right? Okay. In that um, 
I love our marriage and I think that the most valuable part is that there's an openness between us to discuss our emotional needs. You know what your emotional needs are mm -hmm. and I know mine. Yeah. And we did the work before we met each other. And so that is the thing is that I'm not putting it on you to be in the guessing game with me and that I can tell you my number one need is attention and tell you that I need to know that I'm important to you mm -hmm. and that you value me. And I can tell you how to engineer those needs. And then I'm going to leave the rest up to you to be creative in that because you're very creative and you can tell me your needs. And that causes an incredible trust bond. Yeah. So maybe a starting place yeah. for the listeners out there is yeah. figuring out what their needs are. Yes. Know your emotional needs. And if you have shame around your emotional needs, that didn't come from the marriage. It started in childhood. Mm. So happens to most of us. And uh, well, maybe this is my, my suggestion to people. Okay. Let me say this. Our marriage and any marriage is an opportunity to either stay stuck in a pattern or get free from a pattern. And that pattern starts in childhood. Whatever your number one need is as a child, whatever it was that did not get fulfilled becomes your number one need in the marriage. Mm. If you don't have voice around that, if you don't have awareness around that, you will walk around the promised land for 40 years mm. and you will cry victim and you will blame your spouse and you will blame yourself, but you won't take responsibility. Your responsibility and blame are two different things. And so I take responsibility of letting you know what my needs are mm -hmm. and that you know some of my dysfunction and dysregulation from childhood. Mm -hmm. And so you are helping me heal from that just by staying adult with me, staying current with me. And I'm doing the same with you. Mm -hmm. And you and I started therapy two weeks into this relationship. Yeah, we did. Yeah, because we knew. We knew people wouldn't be okay. That we had found each other and that we were both women. Right. Yeah. And another thing we did early in our relationship was the Imago yes. theory. Is that what it's called? Yes. Can you explain what that is? Well, first of all, what an honor that I got to interview Dr. Harville, Harville Hendricks and his wife, Dr. Helen Hunt as well. Um, I can't remember what episode it was, but they are the people who invented Imago theory, which is what I just said is that whatever is unfinished from childhood comes into the marriage and you're really fighting your ghost parent, but you think you're fighting your spouse. And okay. so to have awareness of that and y'all work together on how to co-regulate, how to resolve this. And most people's core issue is abandonment, right? It's just, we don't believe someone's going to be there for us and knowing your attachment style, knowing your core issues, knowing your Enneagram number, things I get to teach in corporations and, mm -hmm. and other places like that, that allows you, those, those are the, the legs on your on your chair that's going to keep you up whenever things hit the fan because they will. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they definitely right. will. Yeah. Um, all right, switching gears just a little bit. I'm sure it's related and you'll share that with us. But um, I've heard you use the word ventral vagal a lot. Yes. And um, what's the other vagal? So there's dorsal vagal dorsal and ventral vagal. vagal. Yeah. So ventral vagal and dorsal vagal are both in your parasympathetic. Okay, what does that mean? So parasympathetic, so think of para, which is like break, like paralyzed, right? So that is immobilization, to remember that. Mm -hmm. So ventral vagal is where you want to be. That's your internal heaven. That's your place of connection. It means you're immobilized without fear. 
it's honestly, sweetie, what you and I experience so much. Yeah. We have this, we get to be Mitchell Vagel, we're grounded, we're connected, and people get sick of how we look at each other. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we're, there's just such comfort, absolute safety with you. And so Mitchell Vagel is safety and connection that you're grounded. You don't, you might even disagree with each other on something, but when you're there, you're still a place of connection. And so that's ventral vagal. Dorsal vagal is a place of immobilized with fear. So okay. people can look very calm, but they're frozen. They are shut down. They are, it's an internal collapse. It's disassociation. It's denial. And we go there when we're so overwhelmed, we just shut it down. Okay. All right. So people who are overwhelmed can look underwhelmed. So... So look, think of a ladder like the top of the ladder is ventral vagal. The second step of the ladder is sympathetic, and that is where your trauma responses are. And it's fight, flight, freeze. Okay. Right? And fawn. And fawn. Fawning is huge for people to know. Fawning has to do with I'm going to do something to please you to avoid conflict so that I can feel safe. That untreated as a child becomes codependency as an adult. Okay. Also, it's like preoccupied attachment. Looks like an Enneagram 2. That's what it looks like. <laughs> unhealthy Enneagram Un- 2. Unhealthy. Enneagram 2s are beautiful and everything, and they care about people's needs. So so that's that. So that's that's your ladder. And so the bottom of the ladder is a dorsal vagal, and that's when people immobilize with fear, and they can't move, they can't speak, or they say, okay. No one remember. They'd be like, okay, I'll do that. And then we remember saying it. Okay, and so... This ladder, is this something that we're climbing up and down every day? Is it something, are we are we moving on this ladder or is it a fixed position? A great question, Tweety. So it really depends, but honestly, most of us emotionally regress each day. Most people leave their window of tolerance at some point during the day. When you leave your window of tolerance, you're either going to go in like more of a fight mode or you're going to shut down, right, and go be hype hypo arouse, which means you start shutting down, that's your dorsal vagal. So if you're interested in that, look up window of tolerance, or you can look up polyvagal theory. I love polyvagal theory. It's a little harder to understand. Window of tolerance is very easy to understand. People can look that up on YouTube or Google it or something. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, that's great. And um, what are some practices that you have that help you stay in ventral vagal or stay adult? Do you, how do you get yourself there? Grow yourself back up. Yeah. First of all, it's a great book. Growing Yourself Back Up by my friend, John Lee. Highly recommend that. <laughs> so you just accidentally plugged him. So that was great. <laughs> He's amazing. So one, I, the first thing I do when I wake up is I get on my knees and I pray. Mm-hmm. I don't want one second of my day to be just about self-will. I want to know, I want to be in relationship with God. I want to know what God has in store for me that day. And so that's, that starts me in ventral vagal. And also I'm a runner. I love going for a run. That so helps me get into a place of connection. And that helps tremendously. And spend time with you helps tremendously. But mm. what I do for a living, mm. if I'm not connected, if I'm not in ventral vagal, nothing will happen in that session. Nothing good will happen in that session. And I take that so seriously. Yeah. I take it, I've taken it too seriously as times, but I take that very seriously. Yeah, it's great. All right, now we're going to put you in the hot seat. Oh, you didn't tell me we were doing the hot seat. Okay, we're doing the hot seat. We're doing the hot seat. All right, let's go. <laughs> All right, let's go. Ready? All right, so Kim. Yes. What is your favorite color? Pink. 
<laughs> Why does that shock everybody? It's so easy for you. It's so easy. When I asked you, you said, it depends on my mood and what I'm wearing. If the sun is to the left or to the right. <laughs> like, fours are so difficult when it comes to, like, you're complex, baby. Yeah, complex. You're complex. That's the word. Not right. difficult at all. I take that back. <laughs> I so take that back. You are complex. <laughs> well, I just have a different color for different things. You, you like periwinkle. I, that... Yeah. Yeah. And okay. then if we're talking about our wall color or car color, yeah. it might be different. It might be different. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What is the craziest thing you've ever done? Wow. Like sober? Does it <laughs> just matter? All, yeah. Just everything in a bucket. The craziest thing I've ever done. The craziest best thing I ever did was marry you. Aww. It's true, baby. It was just crazy. Like I've never been... Like, I'm not the little girl thinking, I can't wait to grow up and get married. Right. I've never met anybody I wanted to marry. And then I met you. And before I even told you I had feelings for you, I knew I wanted to marry you. Yeah. So it was crazy and wonderful and beautiful. So I'm going to go with that. All right. I like that. <laughs> All right. What hobby or practice is a must for you? Like, if you could only have one practice or hobby, what would it be? A solo practice would be running. Okay. Even though I have a running partner and I love her. But I... That does a lot for me. So that would be my practice. I think you and I, uh, the co-regulation practice for us is, you know, we read together most nights and mm -hmm. we ask each other questions. We do certain things. Yeah. 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 All right. What is your favorite movie? My favorite movie is Simon Birch. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Simon Birch is a movie that did not get any recognition, which maybe I relate to that. I don't know. <laughs> But it's a beautiful movie about God repurposing someone's pain. And I think it's so well done. And I can't believe like no one's ever heard of it. I know. We need to watch that together. Okay. okay. We can do that. All right. And if you could have any other name, what name would you choose? Ooh, I ask people this all the time. I never even thought about it. What name would I choose? <laughs> I can tell you I wouldn't pick my middle name. I don't like my middle name. Um, I think I'd go with Burley. Is <laughs> your first name? Yeah. Burley? Because yeah, because y'all know I took my first name Kimberly and I split it into Kim Burley to make my parents mad and they didn't care at all. So just off the top of my head, I would go with Burley. All right, all yeah, right. I think it's unique. <laughs> well, this has been really fun. It has been Thanks fun. Thanks for baby. letting me join you. I love you, sweetie. Thank you. I, I love you. Thanks. Hey, so everyone listening, I hope you got something out of it today and you heard something that helped you reconnect to who you really are. Thank you for listening to Flip Your Lid with Kim Honeycutt. Please subscribe, rate, and share. You can find Kim on Facebook or Instagram at KB Honeycutt. To get an autographed copy of Kim's book, visit butyourmotherlovesyou.com. Remember, no matter what, treat yourself well today. <laughs>